Uh, but today we want to continue in this series. And, um, and, and so we're talking about the Holy Spirit. Today I want to talk about what does it mean to be led by the Holy Spirit. We talk about that a lot. We mention that in Scripture quite a few times. But today I want to talk about what does that actually mean. And so, um, sorry, I'm going to take this off. I'm hot already. So last week Perry made me tuck in my shirt. Because I was preaching at someone else's church, and, and that bothered me. I felt like I was being constrained. And then last night I had to do a wedding, which means I had to wear a suit. And you know how I'm about suits. So today I just need to be free. I was like, I'm wearing a T-shirt today, no buttons. Um, so I was, I was watching this video on YouTube the other day about uh, dog training. Today's going to be a lot about dogs, just FYI. And so I'm watching this video about a dog trainer. And as I'm watching this video about the dog trainer, the thing the dog trainer is trying to do is he's trying to teach this dog it's not a bad dog. It was a normal dog. Just, just the dog didn't know how to walk on a leash. And, and so the dog's trying to teach. I mean, the trainer's trying to teach his dog how to walk on a leash. And, and as he's teaching him, I'm watching this. And within about 20 minutes, he had taught this dog who did not know how to walk on a leash how to walk on a leash. And I was just amazed by this. And I'm listening to the things the trainer says. And, and, and I started, as I'm listening to it, I felt like, the Holy Spirit began to speak to me and say, this is exactly how I want to lead you. As a matter of fact, did you know this isn't just called a leash? Another word for it is what? Anybody know? A lead. A lead. This is called a lead. Why? It's because this helps me lead my dog where I need the dog to go. Or in some cases, where the dog needs to go, even if the dog doesn't understand that. This is a lead. And so one of the things that the dog trainer did is he took the lead and he put it around the dog's neck. I'm not going to do that today because knowing me, I'd probably trip and choke myself and die right here. It'd be terrible. So he put the lead around the dog's neck and I thought right off the bat, I was like, well, that's not fun. Like who wants to have something wrapped around their neck? And, and the dog trainer said, listen, this isn't for the purpose of hurting the dog or choking the dog. This is for the purpose of getting the dog's attention. And he said, if I can just get the dog's attention on me and not on the squirrel or the bird or the cameraman or the car driving by, if I can just get the dog to pay attention to me and not the things around him, then the dog will be able to walk on the leash. My wife tries to take one of our dogs out for a walk, and every time they go for a walk, if a squirrel runs by, Bo will snatch her off the trail, right? He can't focus. He can't focus. He's, he's distracted by everything. And as I'm listening to this guy talk, I begin to think about you and I and how often we're distracted in life. I, I, was, I was talking to my wife um, last night. We were talking about the word anxiety and how sometimes we get anxious and, and, and nervous and scared for no reason whatsoever. We have these anxieties that come up in our life. And, and I begin to think about my message today. And I thought, you know, really what we need is we need a lead. We need someone to lead us and guide us. And that's what the Holy Spirit is here to do. Here's the other thing that the guy talked about with the dog. He said, I just got to get his eyes on me, if I can get his eyes on me. So what he would do with the dog is he would practice over and over by repetition. Someone asked me the other day, they said, how do I know when it's the Holy Spirit speaking to me? How do I know when it's the Holy Spirit leading me? Let, let me give you the answer to that. The answer is by repetition. You just learn to listen one time and you do it again and again and again and again. And here's what, the, here's what the dog trainer would do. He would take the dog and they'd be walking this direction. And the dog trainer would say, you know, whatever the dog's name was, you know, Sandy, this way. And the dog trainer would just turn. Well, Sandy, at first, the dog trainer would turn. And whenever he turned, that dog's still going the other direction. And so the guy would pop that leash, not hard, just pop it. And every time he'd pop it, that dog's head would turn. And then the dog would start following him. And he had turned sharp again, Sandy, this way. And the dog would turn, and he's like, you know, being pulled along a little bit. And after about 20 minutes, the guy would say, the guy would just stop and say, Sandy. And Sandy would look at the dog trainer and turn and walk, never having to tighten the leash at all. The leash stayed loose the whole time. So our behavior is shaped by, through repetition over and over and over. So I want to talk today about being a dog. No, I want to talk today about being led by the Holy Spirit, and what does that mean? What does that look like? So um, I feel like in John chapter 16, there's three ways the Holy Spirit leads us, and so we're going to talk about those three ways, and, um, and then we're going to talk about how to, uh, how to master being led by the Spirit, and then we're going to be quiet and go home, all right? So if you would, let's turn to John chapter 16, verses 5 through 11, and here's what the Bible says. But now, this is Jesus speaking, but now I'm going away to the one who sent me, 
and not one of you is asking where I'm going. Instead, you're grieving because of what I've told you. So right off the bat, Jesus is saying, hey, look, I'm going away to the one who sent me, and you guys are all sad. Like, you guys can't get past the circumstances around you to see the bigger picture. That's what Jesus is saying to them. And I feel like that's good for all of us, right? So many times we can't get past what's in front of us to see the bigger picture of what's going on, what God might be doing in the world and in our lives. But in fact, it is best for you that I go away. Let me repeat that. It is best for you that I go away. Jesus even said, it's better for you that I'm not here. Think about that for a second. Why would Jesus say, it's better for you that I'm not here? Because he knows something better is coming, right? He understands that if he were here, we would want to be near him. But the problem is he could only be in one place at one time. And we couldn't be near him. We couldn't be around him. He says, but I'm going to send the advocate. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit can be everywhere at the same time. These are important things to notice. He says, it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. And if I do go away, then I will send him to you. Here's the part where the Holy Spirit begins to lead us right here. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. So three areas that the Holy Spirit is going to lead us in today. I'll go ahead and give you the notes. It's he's going to lead us in an area of sin. He's going to lead us in an area of righteousness. And he's going to lead us in an area of judgment. Verse uh, Verse, eight and, verse uh, 9, when the, wor- the world's sin is that it refuses to believe in me, righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more, and judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. Let's pray real quick. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place. I invite you into these words. I know that, that the Bible is yours, and I know that what I've written is, is mine, but I just ask that, that everything that I've written today would be Um, spoken to me by you, that it would be moved on by your spirit, by your breath. And so, God, I pray for our hearts today, mine included, that our hearts would be open and willing to receive. No matter what we've gone through in our past, no matter what we've got going on in our life right now, no matter what hesitations we may have, God, I pray today that your spirit would speak to our hearts and let your word be a seed sown in our lives today that will produce good fruit in us. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to look at that word convict for a second. I've, I've spoken about this before, um, but the word convict just simply means to convince. It, it's not a hard word, although we put a bad connotation to it. Why? Because if someone goes to jail, what do we call them? A convict, right? They've been convicted. They are a convict. And so we think of the word convict as something bad. But in reality, the word convict, all it is is convince, right? If, if I take you to court, if I'm a lawyer, and I, my voice is leaving me today. If I take you to court and I'm a lawyer, right, what am I trying to do? I'm trying to convince a jury that you did something bad. If I'm your defense attorney, I'm trying to convince a jury that what you did, uh, that you didn't do something bad. So the word convict just means to convince. And another word for convict, my terminology and Gabriel's dog training terminology is called just popping the lead, right? It's just, it's not, it's not dragging the dog, right? That's not what the Holy Spirit's here to do. He's not here to drag you into sin, or drag you away from sin. He's not here to drag you into righteousness. At the end of the day, we are people of free will. He's just here to pop the lead. Just, hey, hey, pay attention. I'm going this direction, right? So when we hear the word convict, I want you to think about that. Think about the idea that, that I might be turning and looking at something else, and the Holy Spirit just wants to pop the lead may not be anything bad, may not be anything terrible, may not be some kind of gross, terrible sin. It may just be something that he needs to get your focus back where it needs to be. So there are three things that he's going to lead us in. The first one is this. The Holy Spirit leads us away from sin. In Romans chapter 13 and 14, uh, chapter 8, verses 13 and 14, it says this. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. And Paul's kind of blunt. I'm just going to tell you right now. Like, Paul didn't sugarcoat very much in the, in the Bible, right? Like, when he preached, he would not be a popular preacher today. He would not make it on TV. I'm going to tell you that right now. Because nobody would like the fact that he says, if you live according to the flesh, if you keep doing what you like to do, you're going to die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The thing I want to point out in there is he says that by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the flesh. In other words, there are sins in us, there are desires of our flesh that we have, that we act upon, um, and, and those things become sin to us, right? And so what Paul says is you have to, by the Spirit, learn to put to death those misdeeds. 
That's pretty strong words, but I really like it because it, it's not just a matter of, well, I just, I'm just going to just pray this little prayer and all of a sudden all my sins are just going to go away. It's in children's church, man. That's not how life is. Paul says that, that sin is going to kill you, so you've got to kill it first. He said, this is a battle that we're in. This is a war. This isn't, this isn't patty cake. This isn't fun time going to Disneyland. This is, hey, we're in a battle for your soul, and here's what you got to do. you got to kill it before it kills you. So how do we kill sin in our lives according to the Spirit? First of all, we have to expose it. you got to know it's there. A verse we use a lot here, Psalm 139, 23, and 24. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. Know my anxious thoughts. Point out anything in me that offends you and lead me along a path of everlasting life. It's important to know that we got to expose it. You can't fight something unless it's exposed. If you've got cancer in your body and you don't know it, you can't fight it. Right? Kim has beaten cancer a couple of times already. She understands that, that it, there's a matter of knowing it's there, exposing it first. And once it's exposed, now we can deal with it. Now we can find healing. The next thing we said, we talk about this a lot, so I'm not going to stay on it too, too long. But not only, if you're going to kill sin in your life, not only do you have to expose the sin, but then you've got to confess the sin. This is also part of exposing. The first part is, I expose it to myself. I realize that I've got something wrong with me. And the second thing is, I've got to confess it. And the Bible says, 1 John 1, 9, confess it to God. He will forgive you of your sins. James 5, 16, confess it to each other, and you'll find healing for your sins. Another thought there on that healing is, it's not just healing, it's also freedom. If I want true freedom, then I've got to be totally open and honest with somebody and tell them what's going on in my life and allow them to help me. The Bible goes on, and James, I didn't put this, but it, uh, it, it says that the earnest prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. In other words, whenever I learn to confess, I expose it, I confess it to God, and I confess it to, to Jonathan, now what happens? Now Jonathan has the power as a righteous man to pray for me, and I can see healing and freedom in my life. Because I've learned how to kill this sin. And then the other one is just to turn from it. We, we talk about this a lot too. The word repent. But, but I want to give you Acts 3, 19 and 20. Because I like this idea of repenting. Now repent of your sins and turn to God. Uh, so that your sins may be wiped away. Then times of refreshment will come from the presence of the Lord. And he will again send you Jesus, your appointed Messiah. The word refreshment there means to, to take in a deep breath when you haven't had one. Have you ever been under the water before? I remember one time when I was a little kid, and I was swimming in this swimming pool, and um, I decided I wanted to dive all the way down to the bottom, right? Every little kid wants to touch the bottom, so I go all the way down to the bottom, but as a little guy, I've used up most of my breath going all the way down to the bottom, and I touch the bottom, and I shoot myself up because I can see the ladder, and I'm coming up to get to the ladder and pull myself out of the water, and as I'm coming up to the top, this other kid thought it would be funny if he jumped on the ladder before I got there. And as I'm coming up, he puts his feet down. He's holding the ladder. He puts his feet down on top of my shoulders. And now I'm stuck, and I can't get out of the water. And I begin to panic, and, and I'm freaking out a little bit. And I'm a little guy, and I didn't think, you know, hey, just bite him and move, right? Or something, like I didn't know what to do. And so, so finally, I got him off of me, and I came up out of the water. When I came up out of the water, it was just, oh, that big, huge breath. And it makes you feel totally refreshed and renewed, right? I used to... Um, I used to teach, at, uh, not teach at the school, I used to work with kids in, in this school, and, and one of the kids I was working with one time, he was, he was a troubled kid, and, and he was very bad in class, and, um, and, and Will Parker will know who I'm talking about, because Will had to work with him also, and I mean, he was one of those kids that would cuss the teachers, spit on the teachers, bite the teachers, hit the teachers, I mean, he was just, he was that kid, and so I came in one day to, to work with this kid, and as I come in to work with this kid, um, every day I had to go in, I had to read with him, and help him read, and so we're going back and forth. And so I go in to read with this kid one day. And as I go in, I'm thinking, man, this guy's being so good. And like I'm talking to him and I'm reading to him. And he's just sitting like this with his book. And he's just being so good and so still. And he just, just, and I'm like, man, this is a joy. This is great. It's working. I'm having a breakthrough with this kid. And all of a sudden, halfway through my conversation, he just goes. <gasps> and I said, what in the world are you doing? And he just looked at me. I said, have you been holding your breath this whole time? He said, yes, I was trying to die so I wouldn't have to read with you. <laughs> I don't work at that school anymore. <laughs> that kid is so funny, man. Here's the thing. Here's the thing. If we learn, if we learn the habit 
constant repetition, if we learn the habit of repentance, it's not bad. It's refreshing. It's refreshing. Just to get that out of your life. It's just refreshing. And here's the other thing about repentance that, that I didn't, I haven't talked about a lot, but I want to talk about it today. It, it's the idea of getting the sin out of your life, like getting the temptation away from you. So, so here's, I'm trying to figure out where I'm going to put this in my notes here. So my dog, my first dog that we got, his name is Bo. And uh, Bo's a rescue because we're cheap and that's how we do things, right? If I can get a dog for $100 versus a dog for $1,000, I'm going for the $100 dog every single time. And I didn't want a dog to start with, so, so it was definitely what I was going to do. So we get Bo, and when we get Bo, one of the things they tell us is they said when they're babies, um, you know, their, their stomachs get upset when they're changing food, so give them a little bit of pumpkin, you know, like mashed up pumpkin, and then the dogs like the mashed up pumpkin or whatever. And so one of the things we noticed was we would take Bo outside, and I'm just going to use the word poop. Is that okay? I mean, there's a lot of other words I can use today. My wife's going to be upset, but at the end of the day, none of the other words are any better than poop. So I'm just going to say poop. And so we would take the dog outside to poop, and, um, or I can say number two, whatever. Um, and so when we take him outside to do number two, um, Bo would, no, go back, to, go back to poop. Okay, thank you, babe. And so, so when he got outside to poop, his little, his, his little puppy poop would be there on the ground, but he's got so much pumpkin in him that it kind of smells sweet like pumpkin. And so guess what Bo would do? Did anybody guess? Yeah. Or are y'all just yelling at me? He would eat his poop every time. Like, and so like, we would go out there and we'd find him out there eating poop. And then he would want to lick you in the face. And it was like, I'm, I can't do that. You know, <laughs> something's got to change. Either the dog's got to go or the poop's got to go. And so we learned our lesson. And so here's what we had to do. We would take him out to poop. And whenever he would poop, we'd get a little pooper scooper, right? And we'd scoop up the poop and we'd throw it over the fence. <laughs> right in our neighbor's yard. And then his dog would eat it. I don't know. No. And his dog got sick and died. I don't know why. It's weird. <laughs> We'd throw that poop over the fence. Why? What were we doing? We were removing the temptation from the yard. Here's what we do a lot of times. Is we come to church or we read our Bibles or we pray and, and God reveals sin to us. It's exposed to us. We confess it to somebody. We confess it to God. We confess it to a friend. We get healing for that, for that sin. And we say, I'm going to repent from this sin. I want to turn towards God. But then we keep going back to it we never block the website we never take cable off the tv we never do the thing we never stop going out with the same people that lead us into the same sin there are some things in our life some people in our life that we need to remove i'm not saying that that you got to totally isolate yourself from everybody and you got to tell your friends I can't be your friend anymore but here's what I am going to tell you there are some people in your life that are going to lead you down a path that the Holy Spirit would not lead you down and at some point you're going to have to decide who is leading you today is it the Holy Spirit or is it your relationships you got to make sure who your God is today because whoever's leading you is who your master is is my stomach leading me? Is my desire leading me? Are my friends leading me? Or is my Holy Spirit leading me? Somebody's going to lead you. Somebody's going to lead you. And we've got to make sure we know who it is. 2 Peter chapter 2 says this. Paul is just as gross as I am. I mean, Peter is just as gross as I am. And when people escape from the wickedness of the world by knowing the Lord, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, then get tangled up and enslaved by sin again, they're worse off than before. He says this, when people get saved and they get forgiven of their sin and then they go back to their sin, they're worse off than they were the first time. It would be better if they had never even known the way of righteousness than to know it and reject the command they were given to live a holy life. They prove the truth of this proverb, a dog returns to its vomit and another says a washed pig returns to the mud. The Holy Spirit not only wants to lead us out of sin, he wants to lead us away from sin. Lead us away from sin. I read a book one time, and it wasn't Christian at all. It was just about habits and creating good habits. And, and one of the things in the book that they were talking about was they, they were talking about the idea of people being um, addicted to TV. And they said, you know, you go in, you're addicted to TV, you're addicted to Netflix. And, um, and he was just saying, here's some easy things to do. He said, he said, one of the things that I did is I took my TV, I was addicted to TV, I took my TV, unplugged it from the wall, Right? And took the plug out of the back of the TV and put the plug in another room in the house. 
So that way, whenever I wanted to watch TV, it's totally cool for me to watch TV. I just have to work to watch TV. I have to go find the plug, plug it in, plug everything in, and then watch TV. He said, I would put, uh, I would put a, a code on my Netflix and give the code to my spouse. And I didn't have the code. I would let her put the code on there. And that way, before I could watch Netflix, I would have to go find her, give her the remote, let her put the code in. Why was he doing that? He was doing that because he's making it difficult to be addicted to something. And so we find these addictions, we find these sins, but then we surround ourselves with ways to make it easy to continue in that sin. Get the poop out of the yard altogether. The other thing, let's stop talking about poop. Um, The Holy Spirit leads us into righteousness, so he leads us away from sin, but then he also wants to lead us into righteousness. And here's one of the things that, that I notice about Jesus. Everything that Jesus did on earth was about our eternity. Think about it. A lot of what Jesus did on earth was about our tomorrow, it's about our eternity. He's, he's dying on the cross, he's being raised again from the dead. Why? So that we can find salvation and freedom from sin. Why? So that we can go to heaven. But he sends the Holy Spirit not for our eternity, he sends the Holy Spirit for our Tuesday. Right? The Holy Spirit is here to guide us and direct us on an everyday level. And so that's one of the things that he wants to do in us and through us. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 says, so, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives, then you won't do what your sinful nature craves. Psalm 143.10 says, teach me to do your will, for you are my God. May your gracious spirit lead me toward, toward, uh, forward on firm footing. That word firm footing means this. It means upright. It also means free from obstacles. You know what the Holy Spirit wants to do in you today? Not only does he want to convict you, right, pop the lead, get you away from sin, stop looking at sin, but now he wants to lead you somewhere that's free of obstacles. He wants to lead you into a lifestyle of righteousness, right living. He also produces that, not only does he lead us there, but then he produces that right living inside of us. Galatians 5, uh, 22 and 23, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There's no law against these things. It's important to see this here, that, that he's leading us and producing right living in us. Sometimes we say, I just, can't, I just can't do right. Like, I just can't act right. It's because you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to do his job of leading you and producing something in you. When we think about some of the things that the Holy, Holy Spirit produces in us, if we would apply these, these actions to our life, our marriages would be better, our jobs would be better, our health would be better. Think about it. He produces patience in me. How many times do we eat stuff? We're going to talk about health today. How many times do we eat stuff we know we shouldn't eat? If we would just wait, just be patient, right? right? Perry will tell you I'm the least patient person when it comes to food. We had a breakfast set up with some friends yesterday and we had to meet them at 9 o'clock in the morning. Did you know that at 9 o'clock in the morning, I've already been up for four hours? And if you tell me I can't eat until 9, I'm dying. Do you see how little I am? This body needs fuel. And so I was like dying, and I told her, I said, I should have had first breakfast. Like, I didn't have first breakfast, and now I'm going to have second breakfast, but it's going to be my first one. And I don't know what I'm going to do. And I'm like, I'm pacing the room. I was like, I was all the way ready to go eat breakfast at 8 o'clock in the morning for a 9 o'clock meal that was five minutes away. I had to learn patience. The Holy Spirit produces some things in our life. The third thing is this, is, is not only does he lead us away from sin, lead us towards righteousness, but the third one is this, he leads us with a sense of urgency. And what does that mean? I thought you said it was about judgment. It is. John 16, 11 says, judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. Here's the thing. He's not playing around. He's serious when he leads. One of the things that I noticed that the dog trainer did is the dog trainer had a purpose in his mind. He was, he was urgent. He had a time frame in his mind. He said, I've got to get this dog trained in 20 minutes. I don't have three or four or five days to get this dog trained. I've got to get some work done today with this dog. And so that dog trainer, the whole time he wasn't playing around with that dog. There was times he would reward the dog. He would pet the dog. But it wasn't like he was just goofing off with the dog. The whole time it was work, 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 pull, lead. Take the, take the dog places. It was all work. And it was this idea that the dog trainer had is, I, I'm urgent. I've got a purpose. I've got, I've got something to do with this dog. And the Holy Spirit is the same way with you and I. Sometimes we think all the Holy Spirit's job is to tell me that I'm sinning. All the Holy Spirit's job is to tell me what to do right. But can I tell you, there's another job of the Holy Spirit, and that's a warning. It's an urgency. He says judgment is coming. 
And he says, not only is judgment coming, but the enemy has already been judged, so therefore the judgment for people is coming soon. There's judgment coming. So what does that mean? That should put in us a sense of urgency, that there's an end game happening. The last chapter has already been written. It's just a matter of, are we almost there to read it? So the the end is coming, and and the Holy Spirit puts in us a sense of urgency. What What are we urgent for? Well, if you're not saved today, if you're not serving Jesus Christ, if you're not following Him and you haven't given your life over to Him, then the urgency that the Holy Spirit has for you today is to give your heart to Christ. In 2 Corinthians 6, 2, it says, For God says, At just the right time I heard you. On the day of salvation I helped you. Indeed, the right time is now. Today is the day of salvation. Let me just tell you today, whether you're in the room or you're watching online, if you're not serving Jesus Christ today, if you find yourself in a place where you are away from relationship with Him, the Holy Spirit today, the Spirit of God, is urgent today to tell you that today is a day of salvation. Don't wait for tomorrow. Because tomorrow may not be here. Don't wait for next week. Don't wait for another sermon. Don't wait for another thing for him to tell you. I don't know about you, but there's been plenty of times in my life when I wasn't doing right. I wasn't acting right. And I remember sitting in pews or chairs just like you guys are sitting. And I remember sitting there thinking, well, if the preacher says this word, then that's a sign from God for me that I need to get my heart right. Have you ever done something that stupid? Don't raise your hand. Oh, Wendy did. Okay. I knew Wendy would raise her hand. She and I are kind of the same as far as that goes. But I would sit there and I'd make these arguments with God. God, if you just say this, then I'll get my heart right. Listen, God says, you've already passed the time. Like, the time is now. The time is not, if I would have known then what I know now, I would have just stopped the message and gotten up and walked down to the front of the altar and said, hey man, I'm jacked up, I need some help, right? Like, that's, that's the sense of urgency that the Holy Spirit has for you. And that's the way we've got to live if you're a sinner today. But if you're a Christian today, there's a sense of urgency for you as well. The sense of urgency for you as a Christian is that there is a harvest that needs to be reaped. There are people's lives hanging in the balance. And we do a lot of sitting and partying and having a good time and eating and drinking and enjoying each other's fellowship. Meanwhile, people are dying and going to hell for eternity. And the Holy Spirit says there's an urgency for you too. There's an urgency for you too because I love everyone and I want everyone to know the gospel. The Bible says this in Matthew chapter 9. Jesus says this a couple of times. But in Matthew chapter 9, verses 36 through 38, um, I'm going to talk about this and then I'm also going to talk about John chapter 4. But he says this, When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. I like to talk to Billy. Y'all don't know who Billy is, but y'all know who Billy is on this side. I like to talk to Billy because one of the things Billy and I talk about a lot is the world and the gospel. And one of the things we notice is we notice how confused people are in this world. Have you ever noticed, have you ever just looked around and how many times you watch TV or you watch a commercial and you say, dear God, I can't believe our world is just so confused. They're so confused about their sin. They're so confused about their gender. They're so confused about their their outlook on life. They're, They're just confused. Jesus looks at that confusion, and he doesn't look at it mockingly. He looks at it with a broken heart, and he says, look, they're confused, and they're helpless, and they need a shepherd. They need a savior. They need a leader, and he looks at them, and the Bible says this. He said to his disciples, he's looking at the crowd. He's looking at the world. He's looking at the sinners, but he says to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his field. When I first read that, I thought, I don't understand this. I don't understand why God would have to send workers out. I don't understand why God is holding workers back. Because my mentality, my imagination, it was like God is sitting there with all these workers around him behind a cage. And he's not allowing them to go. So what is my job? My job is to pray, dear God, please allow the workers to go. And then as I begin to study the word send out, it it doesn't just mean to allow someone to leave. It actually literally means uh, to cast out, to banish, to drive out. In other words, imagine Jesus whenever he, he braided the whip and he's driving out all the money changers of the temple. 
right? That's the same thought that Jesus comes into the church and he says, I got a lot of workers. They're just sitting in the church and they're doing nothing. They're sitting in the church and they're lifting their hands and they're singing their songs, but people are dying on the outside and nobody's telling them about me and they're talking good about me on the inside, but they're out there living a different lifestyle and they're not reaching anybody and the harvest is ripe for the harvest. Someone needs to go reach them. So what is my prayer? My prayer is God, drive us out of the church. Drive us out, push us out, beat us out, whatever it is that you got to do to get me outside of my comfort zone, get me outside of my comfort zone to go somewhere and tell somebody about Jesus. I've been talking to people a lot lately, and I just feel like as I've been studying for this, I feel like God's been doing some work in in me and and for us as a church. So I was talking to to, uh, Carissa the other day. She's like, hey, I just got back from a mission trip. This is a great opportunity for us to go on this mission trip. You need to, let's, let's organize this for next year. Let's go on a mission trip. I, I got a call from, uh, from Paul Perry, and he said, hey, I just went downtown uh, Birmingham to, to this ministry called Love Life, and, and all they do is they pray, uh, pray over the abortion center down there, the Planned Parenthood place, and, and he said, you ought to meet with these ladies. So I go meet with these ladies, and we go downtown Birmingham, and I'm looking right across the street, and I'm watching cars drive in to the abortion clinic to... to to kill their babies. I'm watching it. And she said, Pastor, there's not a lot of people down here praying. There's not a lot of people down here doing anything. And she said, it's not just about the babies. She said, it's about the families. She said, these families are brokenhearted. They leave that place and they're hurt and they're broken. They're going into that place and they're confused and they're scared. And she said, we, we come out here and we pray. And she said, and then we sit. There's people sitting out here every day, every day, just to love on the mamas and love on the dads and just, just tell them about Jesus. You know what she asked me? I thought she was going to ask, ask me, um, would your church be willing to come down here every weekend and pray? I thought she was going to say, would you be willing to give us a lot of money to support our ministry? She said, Pastor, would you take one week next year, one week, and just preach about life and then encourage your people to come down with us on that Saturday of that week and just pray just come down on a Saturday and pray. I don't even think they're open on Saturdays. It's not like they're, it's not like they're out there with picket signs. and No, they just go across the street and they just pray. They just pray for the moms and the dads and the babies. And I said, absolutely, we'll adopt a week next year. Absolutely. Why? Because the harvest is out there. The harvest is in downtown Birmingham. The harvest isn't in these four walls. We got to go reach them. We got to go touch their lives. We got to go minister to them. And the Spirit of God is urgent about that. In in Luke chapter, I mean John chapter four. I don't have this one in the on the screen, but in John chapter four, it's the the woman at the well. You might remember that story. In the story of the woman at the well, the Bible says that Jesus is talking to the woman at the well. He tells her everything she ever did. She runs back to the city. She tells everybody in the city, "Come out here. Come see the man who who told me everything that ever happened in my life." So as they're coming out, Jesus is having a conversation with his disciples. As they're walking out, he's talking to the disciples. And he tells the disciples, he has this sense of urgency. He says, look up. Pay attention. Get your head out of the sand. Look around you. The harvest is here. And it's ready. What was he talking about? He was talking about all the Samaritans that were coming out of the town. It was literally happening at the same time. Jesus is urgent. That we reach the lost. And not only does the Holy Spirit want us to reach the lost, not only does the Holy Spirit want us to, to, to go out for the harvest and, and fulfill that purpose, but He gives us the power to do it. Acts 1 8. And, and, and we can talk about the gifts of the Spirit uh, tomorrow. I mean, next Sunday, we can talk about the fruits of the Spirit, all the things that the Holy Spirit wants to do. And, and people can argue with me. I don't know if anybody in this church does or not. They can argue with me that the gifts of the Spirit are not for today. They died with the apostles. You can argue whatever you want. But the, at the end of the day, the Bible says this in Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Not to get on TV. Not to have a big service. Not for people to fall on the ground and roll around. You will receive power to do what? To be my witness. The one thing the Holy Spirit wants from me and you more than anything else is he wants us to tell other people about Jesus. And he wants to give you the power to do it. He wants to give you the power to do it. The last thing is this, and this is where we're going to close. If we want to be led by the Spirit, there's one key to doing it. Here's how to do it. You want to be led by the Spirit? You have to learn to submit to the Spirit. 
in Acts 7, 51, Stephen is talking. He's about to be murdered, and he says, You stubborn people, you're a heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. There's a place in our life where we can resist the Holy Spirit. I forgot to put those pictures up, Lexi. Show me the first picture of the dog. Check this dog out. So look at this. This is how you're supposed to walk a dog, right? This is ideal. I don't know anybody that ever walks a dog like this. I want to learn how to walk a dog like this. But you see how calm that little girl is? I mean, she's a tiny little girl that's a good-sized dog, and she's barely even holding on to the lead, and that dog's just walking right beside her. When I'm walking my dog, you know. Let's see the next slide. This is how, this is how most of us act, though. That's what the Holy Spirit wants from us, but this is how most of us act right here. We want to take the lead ourselves. You know, he's trying to get our attention, and we're holding on to the lead. We're trying to direct him. We want to tell the Holy Spirit what to do, not the other way around. And we're always pulling and always pulling. And here's what happens. If you continue to live a lifestyle that causes you to, to um, avoid, the, the, to resist the Holy Spirit, here's the next slide. This is where we end up, right? We end up like that. That's what a lot of us look like in the Spirit right now. We're so frustrated and so full of anxiety and so full of fear because we're having to lead and we're taking the reins and we're pulling the lead that we lash out at everybody. We lash out at everybody. We lash out at the people that approach us and tell us, you can't tell me what to do. You can't judge me. We get mad at people for no reason. Why? Because we're so frustrated and so anxious and so, so stressed out and so full of fear because we're constantly pulling against the lead. Jesus, Jesus spoke to, to Paul and he said, why are you constantly kicking against the goads? A goad was a, like a stick with a, like a little spike on the end. And if they wanted a cow or, or, or ox or something to move, they would poke it, right? They would poke it. But then what would happen was, is they would poke it. And if that, if that ox wasn't submissive, it would kick back. And to kick back just means you got poked more. And Jesus looks at Paul and he says, dude, you got to stop resisting stop kicking against the goad stop trying to pull your own direction and just submit just give in as a matter of fact jesus had a life full of submission john 4 1 then jesus full of the holy spirit returned from the jordan river and he was led by the spirit into a palace full of food nope he was led by the spirit into a new job with more money nope he was led by the Spirit into a big church with lots of people and lots of ties. Nope. He was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. When we're submissive, when we're fully submissive, then the Spirit can lead us even into the wilderness and we're willing to go. We'll go anywhere the Spirit leads us. Luke 9, 23, then he said to the crowd, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. He's, what is he saying? You've got to stop pulling against the lead. Stop going your way, right? Take up your cross and follow me. Luke twenty two forty two. Father, if you're willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. The question I have for you today is, I believe we have the Holy Spirit. But how much of the Holy Spirit, I mean, how much of you does the Holy Spirit have? We have him, but does he have you? Does he have your Saturday nights? Does he have your night out with the girls? Does he have your alone time with the computer? Does he have your job? Does he have your money? Does he have everything that you've got? One last dog story, and I promise I'll stop. And I've got two more, two more verses. One dog story, two verses. Can you hang out with me for one dog story, two verses? Okay. So you know, I've got two dogs now. We had one dog that was dropped off here at the church. She has now been named Nola, and she is ours. So now we are... Last year, two years ago at this time, I didn't want any dogs. And now here I am two years later, and I have two, right? God multiplied my blessings, and I didn't want him to. 
But here's the thing. Nola, Nola gets dropped off here in the church parking lot. And Jonathan and I were sitting in the office, and he said, there's a dog in the parking lot. So I was like, well, let's go check it out. Because we're, um, I mean, we're adult men, but we're still kind of like teenagers, too. And so I was like, hey, there's a dog in the parking lot. Let's go look at it. You know, like, it could have been anything. It was like, hey, there's a dead cat in the parking lot. Let's go look at it. All right, let's go touch it. Um, and so we run out in the parking lot. And as we run out in the parking lot, we see this car driving down the hill and this dog chasing the car. And the dog just stops when he realizes, or she realizes, that the car's not coming back. I was like, hey, you know, dog, come here. So we got the dog to come to us, and I gave the dog water. And when I gave the dog water, I mean, she, she lapped it up, you know. And I began to look at the dog, and it was just filthy and nasty. It had fleas all over its body. I didn't discover that until I put her in my car. But it had fleas all over her body. So much so with the fleas that her ears had... Um, had these sores all over her ears where the hair wasn't even growing. And I, and I took her to a vet, and they said, yeah, that's from the fleas. Like the fleas have embedded in her skin and, and caused this to happen. She was just gross and nasty. And I took, her, um, I took her home, and I fed her, and I gave her water, and I gave her a bath. And I took her to the vet, and I got her some medicine, and she got all the fleas off of her. And, and um, she had this scar or this... Um, wound on her nose where she was trying to get maybe under a fence or something and Perry poured peroxide on it like Perry helped her out I didn't do that part and so we took care of this dog we took care of this dog and one of the things we noticed about this dog is when I would go to pet the dog she would do this thing that dogs do when they're fully submissive she would lay down and roll over on her back and and what that means is I'm exposing right I'm exposing all of the sensitive parts of my, of my body. I'm exposing the places where I don't have a lot of, like, like dogs on their bellies don't have a lot of fur, right? It, it's, it's the place that they, and so she rolled over back, she exposed everything, and she just wants me to pet her, and she just, she just licks me, and, and she'll do anything. Like, she'll do anything you ask her to do. And I, I started thinking about that. Like, like anytime uh, we're in our bedroom, and, and Nola will try to come in our bedroom, I'll look at her and say, Nola, out. And she'll, She'll back right out, and she'll lay down and just look into our room like, I want to be in there with you, but you told me I can't. You know, I'm going to stay out here. Fully submissive. We've got this other dog named Bo, and I like Bo. He's a good dog. But here's the thing about Bo. Bo was born on the streets, but he was immediately rescued. He was immediately rescued. And we got Bo four weeks after he was born. Like, we've had Bo since he was little bitty. We pampered Bo. We took care of Bo. Like we, we raised Bo up. And here's the thing about Bo. Bo does not like to submit. Bo doesn't like to submit. Bo, when we say get out of our room, he lays down in our room. We say get out of the room, he goes and gets under the bed. Like you're going to have to make me get out of this room. Right? Bo, Bo, whenever I feed Bo and I give him kibble because I've given him raw food before, now when I give him kibble, he's like, I ain't eating that. I'll starve before I eat that. And Bo will walk away from the food. When I put food out for Nola, it doesn't matter what it is. She will eat it. I could put garbage in a pan and Nola would eat every drop of it. She's fully submissive. He's a little bougie, right? (laughs) But here's what I noticed. Nola remembers being abandoned. She remembers being abused. She remembers me rescuing her. She remembers me loving her when no one else loved her. When her master left her high and dry, full of fleas and sick and have all kinds of problems, Nola remembers the one guy that showed up on the scene and rescued her and loved her and nursed her back to health. Bo didn't remember any of that. Bo didn't remember any of that because he's been in the church, I mean, in my house for so long that he doesn't remember where he came from right? He doesn't remember what God rescued him from. He doesn't remember what his life could have been like because he's been sitting in the church getting fat and sassy for a long time. But Nola, it's fresh for her. She remembers what life was like before the master showed up. And you know what happens to us is sometimes we sit in church for so long and we're Christians for so long that we don't remember where we came from. We don't remember what God has done for us. And we start getting pouty and mad when things don't go our way. And when the Holy Spirit says, you need to stop doing that, we say, no, I'm going to keep doing this. And when the Holy Spirit says, you need to go out and be a witness, you can say, no, I don't, I don't feel comfortable. That's not my calling. I don't want to do that. And we begin to tell God what we want to do and what we don't want to do. 
But when you get a dog like Nola that remembers where she came from and she's fully submissive, you, no matter what I tell her to do, she's willing to do it. She's willing to do it. So we have to learn how to submit. We submit continually. Ephesians 5.18, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. That word filled there, and we can have all kinds of conversations on what does it mean to be filled and baptized and, and um, uh, indwelt and come upon and all the different words. But let me tell you what this word means. To be filled there means to be filled and keep on being filled. It's a progressive term. It means to be filled to individual capacity. It's not a matter of the Holy Spirit didn't give me enough of him. It's a matter of I didn't give him enough of me. And so whenever the Bible says you need to continually be filled with the Spirit, what does that mean? It means I continue to open up more and more doors of access to my life. I've never given you my Saturday night, God, but today I'm giving you my Saturday night. I've never given you LSU football before, but today I'm giving you LSU football, right? I'm not going to say Bama football because I know half the church will leave. (laughs) But what if God asked you to give up Bama football? To go pray at an abortion center on a Saturday. What if he asked you to do that? Like that was all fun and games until it got real, right? But what if God asked you to give up something for him? What if the Spirit said, I need you to go this way? At what point are you going to pull away? At the point where you begin to tug on the lead, let me tell you what that is. That's an area of access you haven't given the Holy Spirit. You need to continually be filled. And then we need to submit, not only continually, but completely. Galatians 5, 25. I love this one. I wanted this verse to be the very first verse I said today, but I saved it for the last. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every area of our lives. Every part, every room, it's all His. When we learn to be led by the Spirit, then life becomes more refreshing. One of the things the guy said, the dog trainer said, and you can stand up with me today. One of the things the dog trainer said is he says, when that dog learns, when the dog learns how to submit to the lead, when the dog learns how to submit to the lead, and the dog learns how to submit to the master, and the dog learns how to just follow the master wherever the master takes him, the guy said, all of a sudden you can see the dog become more relaxed in his demeanor. Like immediately, the dog begins to be relaxed and refreshed. Why? Because he's no longer stressed out trying to pull on the lead. And whenever he knows somebody's going to lead me to safety, somebody's going to take me somewhere and everything's going to be okay, and I can follow his lead, even if he walks me through the valley of the shadow of death, I will, I will be, he will be with me. As long as I know that I can trust him, I'm not going to have stress and anxiety. I'm not pulling against the lead. I can relax. I can relax. As long as I'm trusting in him. And so the guy would take the dog, and at the very beginning, he, would, he was having to pop the lead, pop the lead, and he would stop the dog, and the dog would kind of sit, but the whole time he's doing this and he's looking around, he says, the dog, honestly, you think he's distracted, but he's full of stress right now. He's full of stress because he doesn't know what's going to happen next, and he doesn't trust me yet to lead him in the right way. After 30 minutes, the guy would tell the dog to sit. The dog would just like, just melt, just melt into the ground. Because the dog is like, wherever this guy takes me, it's going to be good. He's going to take care of me. He's going to pet me. He's going to feed me. He's going to do everything I need him to do. I'm going to just relax and let him take the lead. Today, the Holy Spirit wants you just to relax and let him take the lead. Stop pulling and just relax. Trust him. Amen? Why don't you close your eyes with me this morning? Let's ask the Holy Spirit today in your own way. Just begin to ask the Holy Spirit. Say, Holy Spirit, speak to my heart. Like, what is it that you want to show me today? What is it, the area of my life today where maybe I'm pulling against a lead? Maybe I'm not serving you. Maybe, maybe I've not given you my life. Maybe I've showed up at church, and that's good, and I sing the songs, and that's okay. But in reality, I'm not really following you. I'm just going through the motions. I'm on a leash, maybe, but I'm, I ain't listening. What are the areas the Spirit might be speaking to you today? I feel like before the service started, uh, when we were in worship, and I, I almost interrupted you, John, and I, and I should have, but I didn't. 
But I feel like the Holy Spirit was telling me today that there's a lot of people in the room that are dealing with stress and anxiety and they don't understand it. They don't know why it's happening to them. They don't know why they're getting so worked up over stuff. And it's beginning to boil over into anger uh, towards people that don't deserve it. They're, they're, they're not showing a, uh, the, the love that the Holy Spirit produces in us because of all this stress and anxiety. And I just want you to know today, I feel like the reason that you're dealing with that this morning is because you're not allowing the Holy Spirit to lead you. You're trying to lead yourself. You're trying to take control in an area where the Spirit wants to take control. And so today, our job is to learn to submit and give Him everything. And maybe today you're not serving Jesus Christ. Maybe you're not a Christian. And listen, let me tell you something. That can lead to a lot of stress too. Because we're constantly worried about what's true and what's not true. We're constantly worried about our future and and heaven and hell. And and the Bible says that whenever we give our hearts to Christ, that the Spirit dwells in us and the Spirit leads us and guides us into all truth. So we don't have to worry or wonder anymore because the Spirit is going to lead you into that place. Today, if there's an area, whether it's to give your heart to Christ for the, for the first time or, or, or maybe today you just say, Gabriel, there's some areas in my life where I am struggling with this stress and, and discouragement because, because there's a place of access I have closed off to the Holy Spirit. I'm tugging against the lead in some areas today. If that's you this morning, I just want you to hold your hand up. Just hold your hand up today. I just want to pray. I just want to pray with you today. I want to believe that God's going to do a miracle in your life today. I I don't think today there's some some kind of special thing that needs to happen. I believe that God needs to just show up in your life and you need to give him full submission. The Bible says that whenever we lift our hands, it's like a sacrifice. It's like a dog laying on its back. It's saying, God, I'm exposing all of my sensitive parts, all of my secrets. I'm giving you everything that I've got today and I submit myself to you this morning. God, I pray for every person in this room with their hand raised. And I believe today, Holy Spirit, that you're going to do a work in their lives. I believe today that you're going to bring healing to places of hurt and brokenness. I ask you today, Holy Spirit, as they begin to lift up their hands and they begin to lift up their lives and they begin to submit to you, God, that you would begin to come in and lead us and guide us into a place, God, of uprightness. You're going to lead us and guide us away from sin. You're going to lead us towards righteousness. Holy Spirit, I just ask today that you would do a work in us. Forgive us. Change us. Don't let us say the same. Help us to create that habit of repentance and getting the sin out of the yard. God, help us to walk in that righteousness. Give us that sense of urgency today to pursue you and to pursue your your harvest. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.